We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for another fabulous episode of... The Bob and Jeff Show, starring Bob Lutz. You're going to tell this listening audience... Who adores me? Let's be honest. Who behave? Jeff Lutz. I'm spreading my wing. This is me to the nth degree. Wow! Hey! Isn't that exciting? 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Stand by for action. All right, here is your action. Welcome to the Bob and Jeff Show here on KFH Radio. Bob Lutz, Jeff Lutz co-hosting. Max Power producing and engineering. 869-1240, the IHOP hotline. Uh, we're going to get to an interview here in a little bit, but uh, let's welcome in Jeff. Who's, welcome in. Uh, how you, you, know, how you I host, been? I host the show. I don't need to be welcome. Uh, nice to have you. How I'm you been? A, I'm not a guest. I'm fine. Why Why are you so surly all the No, no, I don't need to be welcomed. Welcome in. I, you know, welcome to the show. You know, welcome to you. Uh, I, always, I always open the show. and uh, I could open it. I welcome it. you in, and uh, then we get rolling. I don't, I don't need to be welcomed. I'm already here. Well, if there were a door you could come in, I'd have you do that. Uh, yeah. Why? Well, I don't know, just to welcome you in it's not a visual, in a better way. It's not a visual medium. Here's uh, what we're going to do today. What's on tap at 210 or thereabouts. Wichita wind surge catcher Patrick Winkle will join the show. Wind surge in a key homestand, their last homestand, their last series of games of the year against Midland tonight out at Riverfront Stadium. They trail the Springfield Cardinals by two games with four left in the Texas League East. Uh, how do I feel about that? I don't know. I don't know either. I'd, I'd like to see the wind surge get to play in the postseason, but this is my Cardinals. I, I don't know. It's... I don't know that it matters one way or another, to be truly honest. Well, don't I want to see the young birds uh, in four or five more games? Maybe. Uh, get some postseason experience? Or would I rather have us Wichitans uh, potentially well, it, get to go out to Riverfront a few more times? It'd be nice to uh, continue the streak. The wind surge in their previous two years were in the playoffs. It'd, it'd, it'd be cool if they got in a third time, especially uh, with a different type of uh season that it's been a lot of turnover uh their best players got caught up around midway through the season and they turned it on after that and here they are still in the race well that's why i'm torn to some degree there's no need to be torn oh, I, I am i don't care if akron gets into the playoffs you know what i'm saying i, I do at double a i don't care we got uh, palm beach we got uh peoria they're both in both of our a-level teams are in the playoffs uh memphis isn't gonna get in so why not get the double a team in sure you know, these are things I concern myself with. Well, concern yourself with them. Well, then. I don't know why you're uh, why me, you're uh, poo pooing it. But for me, if uh, if if Lake County doesn't make the playoffs, I'll well, be fine. Well, they're not making the playoffs. I have no idea. You don't follow your minor. I league follow franchise. the stats. I don't follow the wins and losses. Well, I I do. 
Okay, well then go for it. To me, postseason experience is a valuable thing. I wonder what Lake County's record is. I don't care what Lake County's record is. Uh, you got Lake County. You got who's your uh, single A or low A? Lynchburg. Uh, then your double A team is Akron. And, and your Columbus. triple A team is Columbus. Yes. Uh, I don't think any of those teams are in the playoffs, which, is, you know, for the Guardians is fitting. I like to get teams into the playoffs. Well, you should like it. I, if To me, uh, it's uh, the minor leagues. I like to get my major league team into the playoffs. That hasn't happened for either of us this year. So happened. anyway, you got four nights left that you know the win surge, three nights and then the Sunday uh, 105 game, uh, the night cap potentially to the season. Uh, how many of those games are you working out at the one? Wins? Just one? Saturday. They kind of backed off from you or what? No, I was supposed to work Friday, but I have to work at Channel 12. Oh, what's going on at Channel 12? Um, uh, they want me there on high school nights. Oh, high remember? school. High school football. Yes. What's your, uh, just to keep the, uh, keep things churning? What? Yes. Yeah, we'll find find out more tomorrow, I guess, of exactly what's expected. Well, get, to, get over there to, to catch at Kansas. Uh, for I'll your go high after school the show. No, I'm saying get the get to. I'm telling our listeners. Of course. What do you mean you'll go after the show? What does that mean? I'll go to work after the show. So you don't have to be there during the day, Friday. Correct. Well, I guess that's good. It's a nice gig. Anyway, uh, we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk with Patrick Winkle at two ten. Uh, at two twenty five, I figured we'd step outside of the area and talk to the Ashland coach. Oh yeah, and Fox. I believe they're the defending champs in six man. They're ranked number one in six man right now, and I just got intrigued yesterday and said, you know what? I want to talk to this guy about six man football in the state of Kansas. Well, that's awesome. Me and Jason Duda thought of that uh, months ago, but if we want to do it again today, that's great. Well, who'd you talk to? The Cunningham coach, as they. Well, the, the Cunningham coach doesn't have nearly as much to say. What do you mean? He was in the uh, state championship game. Did he win it? I don't know. I got the winner. Did Ashland definitely win it? At uh, 245, our annual visit, something we've come to look forward to, Al Petrelli from Trans-Siberian Orchestra. They're going to be in Wichita as we get closer to the Christmas season. We were afforded the opportunity to talk again with Al, and he will join us today at 245. In an hour number two at 325, uh, our third week of uh, football picks. Not a lot of great options this week. The college I'm surprised we're not picking Colorado again. Uh, They play Colorado State. Penn State, Illinois? We'll pick them the next week against USC or Oregon, and then probably the next week against uh, USC. I hear you, but Penn State, Illinois. Penn State, Illinois. You know, it's a Big Ten game. Uh, Hey, you just hammered Illinois. As I said, it's not the greatest week. I understand, so let's have some fun with it. I'm not having fun. Let's get into Coach Prime a little bit. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm doing what I what I want to do. Cunningham was the state was the six man champs last year. What Ashland do? They lost to Cunningham in the state title game. Well, I'd I'd prefer getting Ben on. Young guy's got long hair. I can't wait to hear. Lance McGuire. We had him on. He was nice. Who? Lance McGuire. Lance is a great guy. Known him forever. You have? He's been coaching forever, hadn't he? I don't know. Uh, you know what? I just let it all hang out on this show. 
Do you enjoy that? Lance appears to be a pretty young I'm guy. A, I'm asking you some I questions. I don't care. I mean, do whatever you want. You don't care about me. Is I, that what is you're that, telling no, the audience? That's not what I said. Uh, you should care. Do whatever you want. This is... But you've been in an angry mood. No, I haven't. Chris Davis, our friend, uh, texted you yesterday and said, I'm grouchy. Yeah. Does he not listen to this thing? How am I grouchy? Oh, my God. You just sound upset. I don't think I'm upset. I've never been happier. Well, Went good. out last night to eat. Just had a wonderful time. Where'd you go? Ah, you know. Eh, you're not going to tell me, of course. We went to Spears. That, do that doesn't still exist, does it? Yes. By the mall? Or yeah. what it was once the and mall? It's really good, and no one was there. I don't get it. Apparently, they do their, uh, their business in the mornings and for lunch. They have a good... I had a very good meal. For dinner? Yeah. I enjoyed it. What'd immensely. you have? Ah, we'll talk about it later. I'd, I'd like to talk about it now. If yeah, you we'll mind. get it. We're gonna get to Patrick Winkle right now. Wichita wind surge. They're at home tonight, seven fifteen, seven oh five. First pitch against Midland. Hello, Patrick. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. It's going well. We appreciate you coming on. So you've got four games left. You're two games out now behind Springfield. They won their game last night. You guys were defeated in a close one by Midland. Uh, how much fun is it to kind of play in this kind of a playoff pressure atmosphere? It's really fun. I mean, you know, obviously we haven't played the best couple of games in the last maybe three or four four days. But um, if you see the clubhouse after the game, like everyone's super excited. This is exactly why we play. I mean, there's no better feeling than having a chance to make the playoffs, especially when you got the last week is home and we're going to have, what, 10,000 people at the game on Saturday. So, you know, all those things – combined it makes it for a really fun last couple of days you know it's weird because the season kind of turned uh in a way when when the three guys brooks lee uh deshaun kersey and junior junior severino got called up to st paul and you think that would mean it, it took a turn for the worse but it really got better at that point what do you think happened uh inside the clubhouse on the field uh just to kind of uh, keep you guys on track after that happened I think it wasn't so much that those guys leaving that kind of changed anything. I think it was more about the, the time frame. I mean, obviously, those guys leaving kind of marked the end of um, kind of a drought we were having. And I think at the same time when they were leaving, everyone in the clubhouse kind of just decided, hey, you know, baseball's fun regardless. Why not win games, right? So let's just have fun with it. Let's take the rest of the season and just kind of play loose, play relaxed, play with each other. Um, and that's kind of what happened right then. So yeah, those guys left, but I think the change even happened a little bit before then. Um, and it was more of just guys playing together and, and trying to enjoy the time that we had, uh, you know, on this team. Talking uh, with Wichita wind surge catcher, Patrick Winkle. Let's talk a little bit about uh, your baseball career, uh, drafted by the Yankees round 31 back in 2018. And you steadily made progress. You're having your best year, uh, in professional baseball this year at Double A, with the wind surge, are you one of those guys where it's kind of uh, coming together for you? Is that how you feel about it, Patrick? Yeah, I think so. I mean, baseball is a funny game, right? It's constant evaluation of what works and what doesn't. So over the last couple of years, I've just been able to kind of see what works as far as hitting and catching goes, and kind of what doesn't. Um, and honestly, just try to mold the best player you can out of. Uh, you know, the, the positive things you could do. So with this year in particular, like started very slow offensively. And, and if you look at kind of 
you know, my stance, the way that I was swinging, stuff like that at the beginning of the year versus now, it's completely different. And that's the great thing about having a long season like we do is you have time and resources with the coaching staff that we have to uh, kind of attack those changes um, and, and kind of find a new path of, of what might work. So that's kind of what's happened this year. And, and uh, you know, honestly, just continuing to do it and, and looking for one to finish the year strong and have a good offseason come back the same way next year. What, Patrick, have you noticed about um, the, the Twins in player development, their, pro, their approach to the catching position? Because it seems like the three years that the wind surge have existed, they've tried to work in three or four catchers, uh, you know, on, on, on the double-A team, even at a time. And uh, there's kind of been three this year, you, uh, Benuelos, and Alex Isola. So obviously that's to keep your legs fresh. But is there any part of you that's like, you know, I'm, I'm young, I'm, I'm on the way up, I could probably play every day if I need to or, or something close to that um honestly not not so much i mean i think the way that they manage the the catching staff is is really really uh really good um no one's getting burned out but no one's going super long without getting starts in so i think it's a really uh beneficial way that they're they're kind of making the lineup to uh gives you a couple days on and then you can evaluate kind of if there are any changes or adjustments you need to make and you can work on those on the off day and then uh, come back the next day ready to kind of implement the changes or, or the, the the different mindset that you kind of worked on the day before. Talking with Patrick Winkle of the Wind Surge. They're in action tonight at Riverfront Stadium against Midland. Thanks for not jumping down my throat and correcting me. You were taken out of high school by the Yankees in the 31st round. Instead went to UConn, improved your lot, ninth round draft pick by the Twins in 2021. Um, so what is it uh, that when you got into pro ball that they told you, here's what we need from you, here's what you got to do, and how, how have you worked on making those improvements? Well, that's kind of the, one of the things that I noticed about pro ball very early is, you know, being able to go to college and kind of see what the atmosphere like is there versus pro ball. You know, in college, it's very much about winning, right? You got to win um, to, to you know, make a regional, to make a, a college world series. You got to win to – keep your program kind of alive. But once you get the pro ball, you know, obviously it's about the big league, big league club that matters the most. And the minor leagues is that they really want you to try things and, and find ways to improve your own game. Right. So it, the emphasis, obviously winning games is the most important thing always, but you have the freedom to try different things um, and, and see what works the best for you. Um, and, and kind of pick and choose the different aspects of your game that you want to keep or change and they're here to guide you along with that. So that's kind of the biggest thing is, is when I got in here, they said, you know, let's let's work on the catching, let's work on the hitting. Uh, but they weren't like, you need to do this, that, and the other thing. They, they let kind of me figure out, and a lot of other guys, what works the best for them while, while just kind of guiding us along this path. So there have been uh, 34 pitchers come in. Uh, through Wichita this season at some point or another. I can't imagine what's, what that's like for you as as a catcher. Uh, just endless preparation, I'm sure, to go through uh, game plans and, and, and learn those pitchers. What has that been like for you? And, and how do you kind of focus on you uh, in some of those instances? You know, you, you got to hit too, and, uh, you know, you want to you wanna do your own thing in, on some level. So how do you approach that? Yeah, so obviously, you know, when you're a catcher, that's got to be the most important thing, right? So hitting always will take a backseat to some degree, not saying it's not important, obviously is, but when you're a catcher, you know, you're very much working for the pitching staff um, with so many guys coming in, it could be a little bit overwhelming, but honestly, the thing that I found to be 
the best is as long as you can catch maybe one of their bullpens or, or, or see how their pitches move at least one time, you'll have a decent idea about what they'll do in the game. Um, the last thing you want is to have a guy come in and pitch in a game that you've never caught before because then you're trying to learn uh, their tendencies and their pitch movements in the most, I guess, stressful situation, which is during the game. So as long as you can be prepared and, and try to get with the pitchers and catch them at least once before they have to get into a game, you should be all set. Uh, final moments here with Patrick Winkle of the Wind Surge. So you may have four games left in the season. Who knows? You may get to the playoffs and play some more. Do you know what your uh, fall and winter plans look like? Yeah, I mean, obviously, whenever the season's over, hopefully we go as far as we can in the playoffs and take home a championship for uh, for Wichita. But regardless, when that's over, uh, I'll be back in back in Florida training with uh, you know Twins coaches and and the the staff there at their. Uh, uh, academy in Florida and, and enjoying my time down in, uh, down in Florida with, uh, my fiance and, um, and honestly just looking to get back for a really good 2024 season. Fiance, huh? Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate that. Just real quick, Patrick, uh, you were, you were, you caught Paddock the other night, right? Yes, I did. So what do you kind of like more? Do you, you've, you've faced a couple big leaguers on rehabs uh, on the opposing team. Now you've caught a, a big leaguer or two uh, here in Wichita on rehab. So which do you like better? Hitting or catching them? Yeah. I would, I would definitely say catching them. I mean, just me being a catcher at one, it, you know, it's not as easy to hit a big leaguer. But when you catch a big leaguer, it's great to get into their head and see kind of what their mindset is, what their preparation's like. Uh, and kind of see uh, the, how diligent they work. And honestly, you can learn a lot, a lot from them. So, uh, you know, having Paddock here and, and being able to talk with him and then, uh, you know, take him to a warm-up and into the game, it was uh, a really great experience and honestly learned a ton from him. All right, good stuff. We appreciate it. Well, one question, because you're, you're a Connecticut guy and you've been around, mm-hmm. you've played uh, professionally now in Florida and you're in Wichita now. What anything stand out about your time in Wichita here besides just playing baseball and going to the stadium and all that that entails? Have you found any restaurants you like? Uh, any nightlife? How's that all gone? Not a big nightlife guy. I am a more of like a breakfast morning guy, and honestly, very very pleasantly surprised with uh, the breakfast places here. Love Mocha's Cafe. Really like Homegrown. Uh, that's a, a very popular spot for breakfast in the morning but um you know overall i love wichita i mean it's a great place it's a great area the ballpark's awesome the fan base is great so really no complaints and you hope like heck you're never back here again right (laughs) well i mean (laughs) uh no comment (laughs) we appreciate it patrick thanks so much for being on best of luck the rest of the season appreciate it thanks for having me Thanks. All right, Patrick Winkle, catcher for the Wind Surge. They've gotten a lot of production out of their catchers. Uh, David Banuelos uh, has Dan Banuelos has nine homers. Patrick Winkle has nine homers. So combined, they have eighteen homers, seventy-five RBIs, a very good OPS. Uh, defensively, a little they could use a little help, but uh, pretty good hitters. Yeah, and uh, they're often hit in the middle of the order, and Alex Isola is caught a little bit. I don't think he's going to continue for very much longer, but, yeah, they've gotten some some production there. Yeah, Benuelos has an OPS of 899. He can hit. 
All right, good stuff as we uh, talk Wichita Wind Surge Baseball. We'll be back and talk some Ashland High School football. They are currently ranked number one in six-man football. I remember when Ashland was a pretty darn good 2A team. Now they're playing six-man. It happens. Another example of what's happened in some of the smaller communities. Uh, We'll talk with their head coach, Ben Fox, next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is the Bob and Jeff Show on 97.5 and 12.40 KFH. One for all, the musical theme, songs with the word one in the title. That's Rita Marley with one draw. Ben Fox joins us, a head football coach at Ashland. They are currently undefeated at 2-0, ranked number one in six-man football. Ben, welcome. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Doing great. Just getting ready for a home junior high football game tonight and a big, big Friday game here. There you go. There you go. I know you're a, you're an Ashland guy. You went to high school there. When did you graduate? I graduated in 2011. Uh, my brother, who's okay. my assistant, one of my one of my assistants, graduated the the year after 2012. So, okay. So, how much is how much have things changed in Ashland in those uh, 10, 11, 12 years? Um, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Um, some of the same families, some new faces. Um, still small town, still small school. Uh, we we played eight man coming through. Um, our father and uncle played 11 man, won a, an 11 man state championship, uh, as they came through Ashland. Um, and so things, things have changed there. We're in a, a smaller division. We, my first year as head coach, we took over, uh, had nine boys playing eight man and his numbers were, were, weren't wow. great. And, uh, and we've gotten, gotten it raised every year, uh, since then and up to 18 guys on our roster now this year. And, um, feel good about that. It, it makes practice go well, and and uh, just having bodies to to compete with is a is a big deal. You know, each year having a, a few more boys. What what does your middle school? Do they play six man or they play eight man or eleven? Well, yeah, that's it. It is junior high, middle school kind of goes year by year. Um, we've you know with two grades, seventh and eighth grade. Sometimes we don't. You know, you need at least probably five boys a class out to to have 10 boys to play an eight man schedule. And, and they've done that independently and just, you know, play with eight, nine, 10 guys. Um, we've co-opted with some other schools nearby. 
um, and done that. And now, yes, this year they are playing a, a, a six-man schedule. Uh, in junior high middle school right now, our, our group uh, still plays six-man by the eight-man rules. Um, so a little bit different okay. game. Um, so obviously you have to be very hands-on. You're getting them prepared for six-man football, but I'm sure there's a pretty big adjustment uh, from year to year, even uh, you know, game to game sometimes. Yeah, right, actually. So I'm not a, the junior high coach. I, I love right. helping them out and stuff. My head football coach who coached me in high school, Jesse Stebbins, is is the junior high coach. Um, and so we do, we use the, our high school boys to run the chain gang at the home games and, and run the press box and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's it's they're getting more familiar with the six-man game, and that's, that should be a big benefit, you know, in the next few years as we get those guys. Now, for our listeners wondering, Ashland is out in southwestern Kansas along yes, right Highway 400 or 54. Yeah, uh, we're south. Pretty of Dodge close city. to there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, south of Dodge City, about an hour, um, kind of near the Oklahoma border, way out southwest. So we still so, actually uh, have a, quite a few, quite a few six-man teams west of us. We st- we still go west for some games, so we aren't the furthest west, um, but we are probably about the furthest six-man south team. So some would call me old. I I refer to myself as experienced. Uh, (laughs) I've been around a long time, and I used to cover high school football for the Wichita Uh Eagle, and Ashland was one of those traditional powers under Mm -hmm. Larry Rich. Uh, That football tradition uh, still remains, right? I mean, that's a football community. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, the stadium and – uh, you know, Larry Rich, uh, Tom Gilmore, those are guys, uh, Coach uh, Jim Gillespie, um, those are those guys kind of got that program rolling um, with some big, you know, big state championships back in uh, 76 and 80 um, and kind of were powerhouse all the way through there. Um, we, you know, we grew up, our fathers played for, for Coach Rich, Coach Gilmore, Coach Gillespie, and a lot of that stuff. You know, just through word of mouth or, you know, stories of, of you know, some of their other players that are still around town, um, you know, pass on the stories of, of those guys and, and what it meant to them, um, you know, to kind of go through their system and, and come out and, and, you know, be the men they are. How many really good or great or good players do you feel like you need to have to have to really succeed and, and be competing like for a state championship like you did yeah. last year? You have a guy, Cale Harris, who's probably mm-hmm. your best player on, on both sides mm-hmm. of the ball. So mm-hmm. you feel like some nights that's enough and we can kind of just uh, uh, fill in around that? No, great question, though. Um, no, one guy, you know, we see it. You know, with these smaller schools may, you know, they might have one guy that, that, uh, two guys that kind of can shine and filling in, filling in other spots with, uh, you know, with whatever they can, you know, with low numbers. And that's kind of the reality of it, you know. Um, I want to say you probably, you need to have three, four. I think three, four is your number on guys that, that, can make a play I think two is you know a, a defense can focus on can focus on two you know guys two key guys uh three it starts to get hard to, to focus on three guys with only six and when you get to four or five 
then you're 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 going to win some one some of those one-on-one matchups that that we see in the you know open field and things like that. Ben Fox, our guest head coach at Ashland High School. They are ranked number one currently in six-man football here in the state of Kansas. Uh, one of those wins was in your season opener uh, against Cunningham. They mm-hmm. beat you in the state title game last yeah. year. That had to that had to have some uh, value. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a big win for the program. Um, they got us twice last year. Actually, week one we played them last year to start. You know, kind of knowing they were one of the top teams in the state. Um, played a good game. You know, not many teams competed with that with that Cunningham team last year, and we were we were one of the few. And and but they did get us both times. So starting the year with that big win, you know, we spent all summer, all, you know, winter through basketball season, track season through the summer, thinking about that, thinking about that first game, you know, they, they were the last team that beat us in the championship game. And so it was, it was a big deal looking forward to that. And, um, you know, now, now we're facing just as big of a game this week, uh, with Shyland bird city. Um, they yeah, talk about a team. that has, Yeah. Yeah. They have, they have, you know, more they're, they're, they're over that, that, two, three player, you know, playmakers, big time guys that will be hard to hard to get get matchups right so on let, them let me, they'll just move them all over the field. Let me ask you this. You mentioned you played eight man football. Uh your father played eleven man football. Now you're coaching six man football. If somebody right. comes to you and says, Why do we even do it with six man football? Uh-huh. What's your answer? Uh-huh. Uh for these for these communities, you know, why when Cunningham uh, was kind of making the decision to go in, get in on the two-year cycle, uh, I was one of the coaches and another coach, uh, he's now one of my assistants, Coach Chambers, was at Pawnee Heights. Uh, I remember we went over to Cunningham and did kind of a town hall town hall meeting and took a bunch of questions from parents of players and, and community members and athletic directors and, and kind of wanted to make sure they, they had been co-oping their high school program. And they, you know, getting football back at their community, in their stadium, you know, in your small town is a big deal. And, you know, a couple of years later, they have a state championship and that program's just flourishing uh, with Coach McGuire. And, um, it, you know, they, we went from winning one game that first year, eight man, and just couldn't, didn't have the numbers to compete. And it just lets these communities, uh, these small town kids, um, still get to play the game of football. Is it your goal? I don't know if the school has the numbers to support it, but would you like to get back to eight man? Does it even matter to you as long as as you're coaching and and kids are playing? Good question. Um, yeah, you know, if the numbers take us back there, footballs we love football. Um, but actually, we're having a great time. The six man game. There's a couple couple different rules that make it make it different enough from from eight and 11 man, um, they're still blocking, tackling, throwing, catching ball security things. Um, but it just, just a few wrinkles on like first and 15 or, um, that can't do any kind of quarterback sneak. There has to be some kind of exchange in the six man game. And, and that changes things. And it's, it's fun to, it's a fun challenge to, to try to adapt to. And, um, I, we're really liking it, but if we go, you know, if we go back to eight, that'd be we'd be pumped for that. It's still football, but we're we're loving the six man. And some of these coaches in the in the six man division are 
Um, you know, they've coached 11 man or they've coached eight man, played eight man. And, and, and we hear from them all the time. I don't know how I'd go back to coaching, uh, coaching eight man or coaching 11 man. This game's so, so fun to watch. So fun to coach. Uh, so that's kind of where we stand. Ben Fox with us, Ashland's head football coach. And you gave a great answer on why six man's appealing and why, these communities uh, stay involved, and it is about the community. I mean, you couldn't imagine Ashland without uh, football. Yep. You couldn't imagine yeah. some of these yeah. schools and yep. and towns without a without a high school. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, mm-hmm. a shame to see what's happened in so many small towns. But to try to try to keep a tie to that past, mm-hmm. extremely important, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know when uh, if. But a little town like ours loses a school. It's it's bad news. Uh, we you know we've there's stories all around us out here that little community school couldn't stay afloat or you know couldn't couldn't stay staffed whatever it is. Um, and you lose the school and you lose the town goes pretty quick after that. You know goes to a ghost town maybe just some houses and maybe you lose your grocery store and gas station stuff like that. And so it, it's a big deal for communities and families here um yeah i just uh, we've seen it here we've seen it places like cunningham and some of those teams up north that were at the you know at, at the beginning of the six-man stuff trying it early before even Keisha was was okay in it uh weskin and shylin and golden plains some of those schools that have, that have been doing it for for years now without Keisha. well good stuff i'm glad uh glad we had the talk shylin coming from quite a ways away right to play friday oh, night true. bird city's uh, yeah. not just a an easy drive is it yeah no it's not we we took that trip up to see them last year um, and luckily got an afternoon game where we couldn't get referees that's a, a you know another situation the state's facing is lack of referees available and and um you know we have them but they couldn't couldn't get to an earlier start this year and so that's uh, that trip will be will be tough for them but that's that's six man we, we we travel a lot to go to go play the teams that you know are going to give us the competition we need so we know we'll have that well, not that this friday i'm not breaking news to you but they've outscored their two opponents so far 97 to nothing so yeah that ought to be quite yep. a game <laughs> yeah we've seen that yeah coach coach uh walden is and Coach McCarty, both of those guys over there. You know, Coach McCarty's sons playing, um, and like I said, they they've got a few of those playmakers that are, you know, in six man anything. You know, on any any one snap, one one guy get loose and a missed tackle, and and so we know how dangerous they are. And um, yeah, just just love competitive Friday night football for our high school guys, and the six man game so fun. Thanks very much, Ben. Really good talking to, to you. Good luck the rest of the way. Great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right. Ben Fox, head football coach at Ashland. Uh, coming up, uh, Bird City Shylin. It's a big one. Uh, they have later have a game against Northern Valley. That's another school that used to be really good in football. Where's Northern Valley located? Uh, up in the Northern Valley. But uh, what little community, what little town? Uh, it's got to be... I'm going to think it's going to be. You don't have a clue. No, I'm going to try to. It's in the, you know. Almina. Almina. Where's uh, where's Greeley County High School? Tribune. Very good. What would you do? Just look it up. What about Western Plains? 
Is that Tipton? That's Healy. What about Triplanes? Don't know. That's Brewster. Dang. I, I used to know all these. And then uh, Golden Plane. Nope. That's Rexford. Okay. 68 years old, still remembering all that. That's beautiful. Congratulations. <laughs> Al Petrelli joins us from Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Uh, they're headed to Wichita in December for their holiday show. Uh, hello, Al. How you doing, my friend? How you been? Oh, we're good. To, we're, we're always happy to have you with us. It's amazing what you guys continue to do year after year. Uh, so just tell us about uh, that aspect of this, uh, the longevity of, of Trans-Siberian Orchestra and the uh, overwhelming success this band has had for, for many years. Oh, God. Well, it's approaching three decades now. It's uh, 28 years since this thing first opened its eyes. Uh, I think that um, part of the reason for the longevity is the stories that Paul O'Neill had written. I think that the uh, the folks in your community and so many other communities really relate to the stories. You know, I read an interesting quote the other day by Leonard Bernstein, and he said that, you know, a true artist, a great artist, a great composer, uh, his work becomes very, very accessible but it's never ordinary. And I found that to be really, really important. And I read it a couple of times, and I think that sums up Paul O'Neill's work in, in one phrase. You know, everybody understands the story. It's very accessible to people from, you know, young ages right through older folks, you know. But there's nothing ordinary about that. There's nothing ordinary about his work, his music, his story, and the show. And I think that every year, you know, we, we try to do better than the previous year. And the folks that come back every year to see us, year after year, I consider them our repeat offenders. You know, they see it getting better. They see it growing up like one of their children. And I think they have a vested interest in it, and they feel like it's part of them. It's certainly part of their holiday tradition. You know, you're obviously a very talented guitar guitarist. Uh, you know, you could probably be involved in any project you wanted to be involved in. What do you get uh, creatively, uh, personally, professionally, artistically uh, from and through Trans-Siberian Orchestra that you, that you don't get anywhere else? I think it's all-encompassing musically, you know, and that's the best part of it. I never get bored. Um, one minute I'm playing a Mozart symphony on the guitar. Next minute, you know, I'm playing some ragtime uh, Leon Russell style boogie piano thing on piano. I, I get to, you know, be a guitar player and shred on occasion. But I think more importantly, you know, one of the things that um, that Paul would constantly tell me is that at the end of the lyric, my responsibility is to carry on the statement and the story that Paul was telling. And to do that instrumentally is a little bit more difficult. And that really allowed me to dig deeper into my entire musical education and just find ways of being expressive in context of Paul's work, almost like how you would uh, film, um, score a film. Excuse me. And so I really, you know, I don't get too jammed up in any one particular style. If I'm not playing electric guitar, I'm playing acoustic, I'm playing classical guitar. I get to do it all under the heading of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, which is really a lot of fun for me. Al Petrelli, our guest, Trans-Siberian Orchestra here in Wichita in Trust Bank Arena, coming up on December the 6th. Uh, you've been doing this a long time. You played in Alice Cooper's band. You were a member of Megadeth. My goodness, did you ever envision a time in those early years that you'd be doing uh, with a band that was so synonymous, even though it's a rock and roll group, so mm -hmm. synonymous with Christmas, Al? Never in a million years, my friend. You know, I, I couldn't <laughs> have scripted this. If you would have told me this story 30 years ago, I would have been like, uh-uh, <laughs> you know. Um, I knew that my... my uh, 
always pursuit of, of learning more, always wanting to grow as an artist, always, you know, there's so much more work I have to do as a musician. I, I constantly want to get better, you know, and in retrospect, I looked at my tenure with Alice Cooper as like part of my education that was getting me ready for Paul O'Neill. Uh, the time I spent with Dave Mustaine and Megadeth was getting me ready for my time spent with uh, with Paul O'Neill. You know, everything I've really ever done, even like playing the trumpet in the third grade band in the elementary school, you know, somehow was getting me ready for this this situation that presented itself in 1995. Is it is it the logistic part of the tour or the creative part of the tour that comes first when planning? Do you do you book arenas and and uh, get every musician? you know, on board and everything like that? Or is it planning the show itself and knowing exactly how it's going to look and feel? I think a little bit of both. I mean, right now, the O'Neill family and our management team is already booking, and you know, they're putting holds on buildings for the 2024 tour. You know, so this thing, it takes a long time to get it up and running. And then, you know, my the task at hand for me is to make sure that this tour is, is musically as perfect as it can be and better than last year. And then, you know, the first two weeks of January, you know, everybody will kind of exhale a little bit, take a break, and then immediately jump back into meetings and conferences. Now what do we do? You know, so I, the band has been intact. I'd say like 95% of the folks in the band have been with me for, you know, 20-something years now. You know, so I don't like messing up a good chemistry. It's like having, you know, a dynasty football team. Don't break it. <laughs> you know, don't mess with it. This works, and it works really, really well. And they're constantly, you know, growing and getting better as players, not only individually, but collectively as an ensemble. And, and that's priceless. Yeah, if you go see Trans-Siberian Orchestra, you're seeing a style of music that uh, you don't see that often. It's a, it's a potpourri. I want to ask you kind of a, a theoretical, a philosophical question. My son and I are both fans of the Eagles, okay? They, uh, they're on their final goodbye tour or whatever they're calling it. Long goodbye. Long goodbye. They're mm-hmm. playing the hits, but they're not stepping outside of their comfort zone at all. That's something you do all the time. They're just playing the hits. They're doing what the fans want. But uh, there's some pushback in the in their fan base about, this is the last time we might see you. Why don't you do something a little bit off the beaten path? You see what we're saying, and, and do you yeah. kind of see their side of it too? Well, I, I can't comment on the Eagles because I haven't you know seen any of the shows on this tour. Uh, I've been a, a huge fan of all of the, the, their entire catalog since I was a kid. Um, for me personally, I have I would rather stay in a perpetual state of discomfort at all times because that means I'm growing or I'm learning or I'm doing something that I'm not really comfortable with, you know. And I've always felt that if you're uncomfortable, you're growing. If for me, if I'm comfortable, I'm not really doing anything that's breaking any new ground, and I still have a long journey ahead of me as an artist and as a musician, and you know, as a man, as a father, in every way. But you wouldn't, Al. I think I don't know you, obviously, but. I know enough about you and, and Trans-Siberian Orchestra. You guys change it up as much as any any mm-hmm. band out there, and that's that's part of your living, breathing, right? I mean, that's yeah. Every that's year, just, it's got to be different. Yeah, we have to again, staying uncomfortable. If we did the same exact thing every year without changing it, uh, I, regardless on if I could pull it off and not have wanted to do that, the audience would know it. They may not, it may not be tangible. They may not put their finger on it and say, oh, well, this is exactly the same thing from last year, whatever. They'll just know it's not that excitement, that immediacy of like, this is a live arena rock and roll band, <laughs> you know? And there's a certain energy that exists in that portion of the universe that just makes it special and different and uncomfortable every time. 
and uh, uncomfortable he, in the in, in a positive definition of it, not you know, not the wrong sense. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Use that word I was going to use also is is tangible. Do you measure improvement in in tangible ways? Are there are there benchmarks, or you, do you just know after uh, three thirty years of of doing this when it feels how it needs to feel? Uh mathematically and and theoretically, you know, being a student of music, yeah, you know, there, there are those things that you know are kind of put into play. But at the end of the day, it's just does this feel extraordinary? Does it feel like it's the first time? You know, and that's what I want. You know, sometimes I get into conversation with the band when we're doing production rehearsals, and I'll tell them the loudest thing that the audience is going to hear tonight is the silence between those two notes you just played. You know, and they look at me like like cockeyed sometimes, like, what do you mean? And I'm like, think about it for a minute, you know. Dynamically, we have to explore dynamics. They're not, the audience isn't, they shouldn't know that. They're, maybe a lot of them aren't musicians, you know. But it's it's our job to take a look at all the details that are kind of like, you know, hidden from them. Because all I want that audience to do is go, oh, my God, this is breathtaking. Good stuff. Al Petrelli from Trans-Siberian Orchestra in uh, Wichita, December 6th. So what's happening with the band now? When do you uh, start to really gear up? I'm just curious because with a production like this, it doesn't happen if you get together, you know, the day before probably. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. No, sir. (laughs) Now, we've all been uh, doing like, you know, sectional meetings and groups. You know, the guitar players have been, you know, on Zoom, you know, going over ideas. I'm explaining what parts and songs we're doing. Same with the keyboard players and singers. Everybody's doing their homework because when we get to Omaha, Nebraska, and that's where we rehearse for about three and a half weeks, uh, that's not where you learn the song. That's where you learn to articulate the song properly with the production. And we will run that show twice a day, every day for, you know, a, a good, well, like I said, a little over three weeks. So that when I hit the deck in Council Bluffs opening night, it's a perfect first show. All right? But when I come to see you guys, which is, I don't know, about three weeks later, it might be my 25th show, but it's your first show. And I want it to be a perfect first show for you as well. So we will run it and run it and run it. And like, they, you know, there's an old saying, you know, uh, amateurs practice till they get it perfect and professionals practice till they never get it wrong. Hey, you made me curious. Why, why do you, why'd you pick Omaha to be the rehearsal city? Um, a couple reasons. One is it's smack dab right in the middle of the country. Uh, for, uh, prior to Omaha, we were rehearsing down in Lakeland, Florida, and it kind of painted the bands into a corner of like, you know, you can't really drive that far to get to the first show you know, or the second show, you know. Uh, Omaha, we can go in any direction we want. You know, we were within three or 400 miles of, you know, another um, community that's invited us back. And the other reason is it's one of the very few buildings in, uh, in the Bin America Center that can accommodate both bands, both sets of production being hung from the ceiling. You know, I mean, I don't know how many hundreds of tons of stuff we got, but very few buildings can support all that weight simultaneously. So it gives us an opportunity to set both bands up, a mirror image of each other, and, you know, no constructional fears whatsoever. Nothing like a Trans-Siberian Orchestra show. Al Petrelli, their lead guitar player, has been our guest. Al, we really, really appreciate your time. Always, my brother, and I appreciate yours. All my best to your family. Have a wonderful holiday. And uh, we'll compare notes in a couple months and see where we are. You bet. Thanks. Uh, all right, Al Petrelli, they'll be at the uh, Intrust Bank Arena on December 6th. And his answer to the Eagles question was, he's not going to throw shade on the Eagles. But he made it clear, that's not for me. 
No, nor should it be for anyone. If you're an artist, I don't, I, I don't get it. Well, we'll we'll discuss it later. Okay. Any? Where's our next show? I think they go back to Newark. Well, the fans seem to like it. They want to hear a lot of the fan base just wants to hear the hits. I know, and I'm not saying drop lion eyes. I'm just saying add Midnight Flyer. Well, we'll see. Who would sing Midnight Flyer? Vince. I don't know if he would or not. All right, we'll I take. I bet he'd a, love to sing Midnight Flyer. We'll take a break. We'll come back with our second hour. If you get my uh, our radio segment posted, did you get that done? I I tried. Take care of that. Get it up there. Well, I'll let you try it also. Well, I don't know how to. I'd, I'd send it to uh, one of the administrators. Well, do that. You do that. This is the Bob and Jeff Show, KFH, hour number two, straight ahead. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.